Claudia Campbell, and I'm so happy that you are here today. We hope to make your Tuesday, every Tuesday, a little bit better day by day. Um, and today we're talking about kind of a heavy subject, but mm. one that's so awesome and just cool the way that God worked it out. And we're talking about spiritual warfare. And our goal is to really just give you guys the knowledge and remind ourselves of the knowledge and and talk about how we can fight this spiritual battle. So today I have my dad with me, Colin Campbell, the one and only. He's taught me a lot of what I know. Um, and he went to Bible college. He's very knowledgeable in this topic. So I'm excited to learn from him and just see what he has to say about this whole thing. I know a lot of you guys have had questions about just, okay, well, what about the spirit realm and all of this stuff? So I'm really excited to be with him today. Welcome to the podcast. Guys. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm just as excited as you are. It is a heavy topic, but it's one I find is very interesting and it's real easy uh, it's real easy to go one direction or the other, mm -hmm. but I, I find that this is a, it's a topic that a lot of Christians uh, don't have a lot of accurate information right. from scripture. So it's exciting. Totally agree. I think that it's one of those things where knowledge is power, That's right? right? And a lot of people, they would run away from this topic because they're really nervous about, okay, well, what if it's wrong? What if there's so many different opinions? So our goal today is to really just come at it from what the Bible says mm -hmm. and get the knowledge from the Bible so that we can better be prepared whenever we do have spiritual attacks. Absolutely, and just like in soccer, when you like to play, it's mm -hmm. not enough that you know the fundamentals of the sport, but you have to practice it. Right. So after you know them, go out and do them mm -hmm. so that when the battle comes, you're already there, you already have muscle memory. Right. Yeah. So first, can we talk about the two extremes that people like to go to whenever they talk about the subject of spiritual warfare? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I and I was raised in the in the first category, which is the what I call charismatic. Uh, they're just afraid of everything spiritual. Kind of bury our head in the sand. Uh, greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world. So let's just let Him deal with all of that, and right. we'll move on. But there is a spiritual world around us. There's uh, spiritual things that are ha there's phenomenon that's happening, and our culture is very interested in that. They want to discuss that. They want to understand it. So just like everything else in life, when we don't know what the answer is, we auto-populate a fictitious story. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get our information from very creative books, but there's only one book that understands the spiritual world right. uh, this way. And it's um, in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 3, and I'm just going to read it here. For though we walk... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare... Are not of the flesh, but the, the, and he's referring back to the weapons, but the weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So the other side, besides just burying our head in the sand, ignore it, it'll go away, we don't even acknowledge it would be the charismaniacs, which is the, uh, th these are the ones who see a demon in everything or see an angel everywhere. Uh, they're, they're hypersensitive, hyper aware. And we always joke in, in our classes that we do on spiritual warfare, and even as a family, uh, sometimes, a, sometimes a, a burnt piece of toast is just a burnt piece of toast. Right. It doesn't mean you have a demon possessed uh -huh. toaster. Mm -hmm. However, we could find out uh, when we get to heaven that maybe the toaster did have 
some demonic influence or, or whatever. The idea is to avoid either uh, hyper reaction to this phenomenon of the spiritual world. There is more that exists than just what I can see, smell, taste, touch, and hear, uh, and that is the spirit world. Yes, exactly. And and another passage that lines right up along with Second Corinthians is Ephesians 6 12 and it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places and Paul it's crazy you I mean you'd think that they were the same person maybe because they are um but Paul he is yes yeah <laughs> Paul really you know punches into the ground this idea of we're not fighting a physical battle. We're we're fighting a spiritual one. And whatever this means, the world forces of this darkness and the spiritual forces of wickedness, it kind of gives along this idea of army. Like you, we have this spiritual battle that we're fighting against. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, whatever the forces of demons is, there are multiple of them, mm -hmm. and we have to fight. So then how do we do that? Because it kind of makes us feel a little bit like, well, we're not, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. We feel like the underdog, right? And so I wanted to talk too about the fact that we're actually not the underdog. We just maybe don't know how to use our tools yet. And we don't appreciate the tools for what we have. That's right. We have tools and we also have weapons mm -hmm. that we work in concert with, with one another. And in that passage, funny, you went to Ephesians 6. I had it marked in my, in my Bible as well, because that's the very famous passage that a lot of Christians will go to talking about the spiritual armor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And it's interesting because that's what gives me traction to stand mm -hmm. uh, in that. So then there is the shield of faith, of course, and the only offensive weapon, yeah. and I love this, is the, uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, again, I, I just remind in, in by when we study scripture, it's important to remember Paul is not like I was in high school. Right. <laughs> My English professor would assign a paper. It would have to be 500 words. I would do everything I could to blow up every sentence, to add every preposition I could. I was trying to hit 500 words. Paul was working the other way. He was, he was only putting in exactly what had to be put in. So when he takes time to say the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's it he he's taking that that offensive sword and he's saying that it's not just scripture knowledge it's not just scripture memory though it includes that it's right. also scripture used in the holy spirit so it's these two things working together to to give us that offensive weapon yeah and and i think that that's one of the main reasons why a lot of times i hear people say i'm struggling with so much spiritual warfare when it comes to studying my word when it comes to memorizing my word and it's because i think one of satan's first tactics or demon's first tactics is to take away mm -hmm. our sword, our offensive weapon, right? right? Because we can be on the defense and that's okay, but whenever he takes away our sword, then all of a sudden we can't fight against him. I mean, and could you imagine having a field of warriors and none of them had a sword? Yeah. They're just oh, out there with no. protective no, material. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I want you to get to, so so for the people out here who might be going like spiritual warfare, what are, what are you talking about? How can we identify something as spiritual warfare, as a spiritual attack, for the people who really aren't used to it, can we kind of explain just in a nutshell what spiritual warfare is? Yeah, spiritual warfare is just a struggle between good and the assault on good. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that the evil side is wanting to promote evil per se. Uh, they just want to interrupt goodness. Mm -hmm. So in as much as they can 
deviate from that which is true, then they're happy. You see, Satan doesn't need for me to physically murder someone in order for him to win. He just needs me to be angry against my brother. Um, so, so if we think of a clock and we think of where the 12 position is straight up, and let's just say that that, 12, that, that represents righteousness, mm -hmm. all Satan wants to do is get me one degree off of what is right. So there's that which is right, and then there's another 59 marks all the way around that circle, which are all not right. And he he doesn't care per se mm -hmm. which uh, how far away I am from the truth. He just wants me further away. Yes. So if I if I give in, and and we've all met people like this before, where we say, you know, she was doing so well, he was running so well, and then all of a sudden started to get off course, right. and then now w once he gets that one degree, he's not happy. He goes to two, to three, to four. And many times the battle is fought in the mind. It's thoughts and feelings working together against you. So if you've ever had a thought pop in your brain that's not yours, yeah. it might be a spiritual yeah. it might be a spiritual message. So it could be the Holy Spirit talking to you, mm -hmm. um, or it could be a, 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 a demon talking to you. Well, and I was going to say that too, is that we believe very strongly based on the Bible that a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon, but that does not mean that a demon cannot get into your thoughts, get into your mind, influence, line up things so that you can be tempted at the right moment. Um, at a lot of times, I find whenever I go through spiritual warfare, it is a battle and it's war on my mind and on my feelings because I think our culture is really big on feelings. And so because of that, if Satan can get us to feel a certain way about something, then he might be able to get us to act on those feelings. If he can put phrases in Hollywood and culture like follow your heart and he can make me feel a certain type of way, like, well, I just feel like I really need to be with that person or I just feel like that I just hate them and we just don't click or whatever, then I can now act on those things. Maybe I act on being in a relationship with somebody who I know is not good for me, but because I feel that way, now I act on it. He also uses it in our mind, he lies to us. The Bible talks about Satan being a deceiver. Mm -hmm. And I think a big attack that he has on us are lying mm -hmm. about who we are. He wants to get our identity totally thrown out of whack. He wants to make you think that you're worthless because if he can make you think you're worthless, then he can distract you and he can make you think that your power, that you have no power, that you have no weapons that you can use to fight against, which is another reason why we need to be in the word to remind us who we are in Christ. And that is powerful. That is spirit filled. And we do have the upper hand. That's exactly right. So you've already mentioned Satan and then I've mentioned the Holy Spirit several times and and you know the two the two characters in this narrative the the two major uh, uh, people here uh, God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit we believe in a Trinity right the the Father Son and the Holy Spirit are all together one God and then there there is Satan now God is, God and Satan have this tension between the two of them but making sure that we understand every time I teach a class on this, I'll never forget the first time mm -hmm. I wrestled through all of this was when I was at uh, summer camp mm -hmm. teaching sixth grade class. And I had, I had 11 year old campers and we, I just said, what do you guys want to study? And they were like the devil. And I thought, well, why not? So yeah. uh, I did some preps, I got ready and we did four major lessons. But one of the first things I ask every class since then and even until now is the opposite of light is darkness. The opposite of cold is hot. The opposite of up is down. And the opposite of God is nothing. 
Satan is what they answer, and that's not true. Right. Nothing can be further from the truth. Right. This is not a yin-yang teaching, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the white and black circle with the looks like two, two forces struggling equally opposed to one another. It's not equal. Mm -hmm. God is infinite. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at the same time. He's all-powerful, and he knows everything simultaneously, past, present, and future. This blows our, we call it finite or limited. This, this blows our limited brains. The, the limited, the limited is trying to understand the unlimited. Right. And that, that is impossible. That'll blow your brain. These are things that I think about at night when I can't go to sleep and I just right. have to wrestle through something until I finally doze off. But I will say this, in, the, in this narrative of good and evil, God and Satan, it's not equal. It's not a fair fight. God always wins. God always wins. God always wins. Right. Yeah. But in spiritual warfare, remember this. Winning many times feels like losing. Yeah. And losing many times feels like winning. Because he's turned the the, the aisle upside down. That's he's right. totally remade the rules. Right. Every time we win, he makes it feel like that we've really lost because the world around us says that we're part of a faith that's just losing. That's right. That's exactly right. So when you're in battle, there's a little story that I tell also because stories help me remember what I'm teaching as well. But your aunt, my older sister, went swimming in the ocean, and uh, my, my brother at the same time, both of them, went through a very deadly uh, situation. They, were, they went through the pier, and there was a bad riptide. There were all these currents going every which direction. They got disoriented underwater. Yeah. And when you get disoriented, you think up is down and down is up. And she said later, that's exactly what happened to her. She thought that she could swim down, and she would be going up. But it felt real to her in that moment. And she remembered in her lifeguard training, the thought just came right into her brain, follow the bubbles. So she blew just a little bit of air out. And in her, from her perspective, she blew the air out and the bubbles went straight down. Now, in reality, they were going straight up. But from her perspective, she was disoriented. So when she, when she thought, I can either swim what feels like down. Mm-hmm. Or I can swim what feels like up. And she decided to go with the bubbles instead of swimming with what she thought she should do. And of course, three or four strokes and she came up, she got a breath of air and she lived. The lifeguard said, had she, had she gone the other direction, she probably would have, uh, she would be swimming toward her death. Yeah. So in life application, guess what our bubbles are? Right here. Word of God. So there's so many times where I'm reading this and it just seems like, do everything without complaining or murmuring. Right. Rejoice yeah. in the Lord always. Only think about things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good reputation, excellent, worthy of praise. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Th this stuff is bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. When they ask you to go a mile, walk two. Mm -hmm. Th these are not natural, normal things. So from my perspective, many times, I choose to swim to my death. Yeah. And God keeps saying, I've got life, I've got life, but it's going to feel like you're losing when you think about Satan and Jesus in the desert and Satan's tempting him, he's using truth. He, he doesn't come to him and say, forsake all you know and no. go the wrong way. And Satan a lot of times works in how can I put the most truth I can in a little bit of a lie? Because if I can make it seem believable, mm. then a lot of people are going to latch on to it. That's right. And just like we've talked before, with rat poison, the most effective rat poison out there is 99.9% .9 grain, 0.1% mm -hmm. 
arsenic or poison, whatever the, whatever the poison is, because you've got to lure the rats in. If it smells like poison, they stay away. And Satan continues. He says he uh, he's a deceiver. He's a condemner. He's an accuser. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. And all he has really at his disposal is this. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's all he needs to talk King David into, man, you need a rest. King David, yeah, I need a rest. Man, she's pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. Man, you'd like to have? Yeah, I'd like to have. Uh-oh, you're in trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Maybe you should yeah. kill Uriah. Yeah, I should kill Uriah. Maybe you should cover it up. Yeah, I should cover it up. Right? And then God comes in with the truth, and he says, look, there are going to be consequences to this. And yet he was still allowed to be king because God's a God of redemption. Right? So God is, in all of this, God is only ever always good. Yes. And Satan wants to believe he's not good. He's not here. He must be absent. He must not care. He must not be able. Right. And and going back to what you were saying about the bubbles, I remember last year at my summer camp, um, the pastor, and you were one of the speakers too talking about this, but just a lot of times what God calls us to do is going to feel very unnatural. Or okay. it's going to feel like, awkward. wait, I should be, yeah, it, it, awkward. It's going to feel like, wait a minute, I should be having faith in this. I found for me, you know, it says the shield is faith. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when God gives you, okay, you need to have faith that I'm going to move in this way, that Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. I feel so stupid Mm -hmm. because I'm like, what? You want me to believe in something that is so illogical, that is so out of place. You want me to believe that you're going to move in a way I cannot see yet. But the funny thing is, this is a quote that you've also said before, we are not physical beings with a spiritual experience we are spiritual beings with a physical experience Mm -hmm. and so the neat thing about all of this is that even though it feels unnatural it really isn't because our souls were made to have faith our souls like there's another part of us that we can't fully describe logically Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a sense of belief Mm -hmm. there's a sense of having faith there's a sense of community with other people connections feelings that we have with other people and i think that whenever we look at that we see okay the spiritual realm is a very real thing but before we go into just because i do want to hit on some practical tips on how to fight this spiritual battle Mm -hmm. i want to talk about just some good theology when it comes to angels and demons and stuff I, i know that we already talked about the fact that satan is not god's opposite right but since Satan is so Lucifer is a fallen angel, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. Lucifer Lucifer was basically the music, the musician angel whenever it comes to um he was beautiful. He mm-hmm. was one of the top, right? Wasn't he one of the top angels? He was the top cherub. Right. He was yeah. he was a top cherub and there are two there are two types of angels, the cherubs and the cerebum. Cerebim? Seraphim. Seraphim. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a seraph and a cherub. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever Lucifer decided to fall, he took one-third of the angels with him, mm-hmm. which means two-thirds of the angels are still left. But does that mean that Lucifer, Satan now, is um, basically there, there's another angel that's as strong as him? Mm-hmm. Do we know that from Scripture? Well, scripturally speaking, of course, uh, Lucifer in his original state was extremely beautiful. He was covered uh, in jewel tones and in jewels. So God is a God of light. So when he comes in, when when Lucifer would come into the presence of God, he would just reflect and refract all of this uh, beautiful light around. He was the worship leader. The cherubim, which is the plural of cherub, 
the cherubim were they are the warriors they're kind of the navy seals mm -hmm. of the angels yeah. so uh while i love cracker barrel and this isn't a commercial uh their little their little shop with the chubby little naked cherub mm -hmm. with the little arrow that is so far from the truth every time anybody in scripture comes in contact with a physical manifestation of an angel, they fall down out of fear and reverence and they begin to worship the angel. And of course, the first thing, if it's not a fallen angel, the first thing the angel says is, whoa, 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 get up. You're, <laughs> you're worshiping something designed to worship the thing you should worship, right? right. So uh, I'm here to bring glory to him, not to bring glory to myself. Mm -hmm. Lucifer, on the other hand, seemed to think, no, I should get some of that glory. And so pride was the very first uh, the very first crack in the purity of holiness was uh, was Satan's pride, where he said, I think I deserve what God gets alone. And why should he get all of it? There's enough to go around. I should get some too. Yeah. And so he has the five I wills in Isaiah. Look that up in your own time. It's uh, really neat. But he is, it's, a it's a declaration of independence from God. Mm -hmm. And we as humans have been declaring our independence from God for centuries. Yeah. Because we want autonomy. But what we don't realize is surrender and submission to the God who loves us is really where joy, peace, love uh, are found and known. So is there another angel? Michael comes close. He's the archangel. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know who would win in a street fight, but for whatever reason, in the book of Jude, we have this random statement where Jude, the half-brother of Christ, is talking, and, and he just he just says, oh, and by the way, it's kind of like when, you know how you'll be talking to someone, you'll be like, well, it's like when you're out there mowing the grass and this happens. Yeah. Well, he's like, well, you know, it's like that thing when uh, when Satan and Michael were arguing over the, the body of Moses after Moses died. Well, we don't have any record right. of that at all. But apparently they were arguing over the body of Moses, and Michael's response to, to Satan was, uh, I am not going to rail a judgment against you, but may God deal with you. So he, he literally uh, kind of comes under the authority of God the Father, and then he pushes against the enemy, and... and um, which, which is we? That's a great recipe. What is that in James? Yeah. Uh, it's, in, it's in James. It talks about submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It's going under God's wing, God's authority, because Satan really cannot go against God. He knows. He knows he's going to lose every time. So whenever he picks his battles, he's not going to pick a battle against okay me versus God the Father. He knows that that's coming, and he's going to pick one. Okay, I'm going to go more so to. This person over here, this, how can I get to God through hurting his children? And the other thing I wanted to mention too is it's crazy to me how Satan, Lucifer, was made originally to reflect God. He was made with these jewels. Like, we don't know obviously how he looks, but he was made with these jewels and his skin beautiful, but he was made to the reflect. The topaz, the sapphire, the lapis lazuli, the diamond. Yes, Go ahead. he was made to reflect the glory of God. And so because of that, without light shining on him, he probably wasn't as beautiful. Mm -hmm. But with God's presence, with God's light shining in, now he was gorgeous. Now he was radiant. And so I think a lot of times that's something that we have to struggle with. I think that's something that sometimes Satan tries to get us with is when God is in us and God is working through us, especially when we talk about ministry and stuff like that, sometimes we have a tendency to go like, oh, that's me. It's like, no, you're a mirror. The reason why people are saying, wow, you do really well with this. Wow, you, maybe you have a spiritual gift in that. Maybe you're just allowing God to shine through you. But don't get it twisted. Don't let your pride start talking. Because 
it is God and you that makes you look really good and really attractive. Mm-hmm. It is not just yourself. That's right. Yeah, there, I had several coworkers. I'm thinking of a, a job that I had in college, and I had several coworkers there uh, who were physically beautiful, mm-hmm. but they chose the path of anger, mm-hmm. and they were just all the time mad at people, mad at life, mad at circumstance. And I, I just remember realizing you, you, you are physically pretty. But because of your anger, it has twisted your face into something that is not attractive to look at. I don't want to be around. I'm not, I'm not drawn in. And yet there were other people at that same job, which we worked a lot with the public and, and made a lot of our money based on what the public thought of us. And so it was always interesting to me that some of the people, if I took a picture, um, they weren't horrible to look at, but they weren't necessarily strikingly beautiful. Right. But because they chose a path of joy and of love and of kindness... That's what came out. We, you know, maybe sometimes people talk about, well, your inner beauty comes through, and people discount that. They're like, that's not worth. That's worth. That's worth so much more. That's worth so much more because that uh, that it comes out and it does attract people in. Right. But I also wanted to double back and go to my sister in the ocean mm-hmm. because she's also well, that's a great a, story when it comes to spiritual warfare. It really I is. Awesome. It yeah. really is. And in I I will never forget that day. The waves were really big and powerful, and I loved it. I loved playing in them. But I would get right where they, uh, and I was 11 yeah. in this story, but I would get right where the wave would break over, and it would it would knock me down. And then I would get up, and it would knock me down. And it was fun for a time, and I was beating up the waves and playing and having fun. What I didn't realize is I was slowly losing energy, and there was a, there was a point where the waves got so strong, I went from playing to surviving. And, and in my mind, I knew I wasn't about to die or pass out or drown or anything, but, but I knew that there was a distinctive difference between playing and having fun, and now it's for real. Yeah. So every time that the wave would go back, I would take my time to get up on my balance, get, get my balance so that I could uh, breathe air in and have a fresh tank of air because the next wave was coming. And sometimes in spiritual warfare, that's the picture is the waves keep coming, the waves keep coming. In the past, I've worked with some addicts who are trying to walk away from temptation. Mm-hmm. And one of the passages that I go to regularly is um, is right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So first of all, understand you're not the only one who's in spiritual battle. Yeah. All across the globe, men and women are struggling with the same waves you're struggling with. And in just different generations, too. And in, yeah, Exactly. And the church I grew up in, I had a very strong temptation that I was struggling with. I stood up and shared it with the congregation one night, and uh, everybody looked at me like I was the only freak in the room who was struggling with that. With I felt very alone in that moment. And that congregation did not, that was not their desire at all. But one of the men came to me later, and he says, listen, no temptation is overcoming you except that which is common to man. He goes, Everybody in this room is dealing with the stuff you're dealing with. And God is faithful. Well, how do we know he's faithful? It says right here, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to win. You are able to win it. In Genesis chapter 4, God talks to Cain, and he says, Cain, sin wants to master you, but you must rule over sin. And he says that before Cain sins. Before Cain sins. He gives Cain an option. And I think sometimes he gives us an option before we send that little second thought. "Mm, You have the ability to master this with the tools that you have. Absolutely. And if you're young in your journey and you 
you haven't learned this yet, it won't take long for the church to train you that God's the one who gives you the power and he's the one who gets the glory and the credit. Well, yes, but he also holds you responsible for your purity. Right. He also holds you responsible for your righteousness and, and for you to live in a way that is surrendered to him. So it says here that he, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able or capable of handling. And he says, but with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape also so that you'll be able to endure it. And I think that's a great pivot point for us to even say, so what does that look like practically? Right. How do you find that way of escape in practical ways that really that really does work? So I'm not always living a Christian life of trying to overcome sin, but the right. wave hit me yeah. and it was so powerful, yeah. it swept me away. Yes. And I love how it says, because I, I, I wanted to mention this too, in the middle of that little verse at two verses, it says, and God is faithful. And what I love about that is that no matter what, he is faithful, but he's going to help you. And it's dependent on his character. And God's character doesn't change. Doesn't so change. we know that we always have help. for. The, I was just reading that passage the other day. But when it comes to practical tips, this is a story I like to tell. Um, this A few weeks ago, about two weeks ago at summer camp, it was interesting because there was a guy who came in and he was working for Tampa's police law enforcement these guys are the real deal and what he was talking about is he was saying okay look we have tools as police officers we have tools in our tool belts that we can use mm -hmm. and there are a lot of criminals based on hollywood that you think criminals have the upper hand because there's some sort of mastermind and oh the police are easy to get by but fbi are the real big guys he was like come in contact with a tampa police officer front lines and we'll show you you know who's actually the big guy here but he was talking about the different tools that you have in your tool belt and the different weapons that he had. And he was talking about how when a new guy comes on the team, he's given all the same tools. And he's given the same basic training. But there's a difference between the guy who has been in the field the longest and the guy who's just showing up. They all have the same uniform. And a criminal could probably look at all of them and go, okay, they're all in the same uniform. But a criminal can also pick out who's the guy with the box of donuts and who's the guy who's actually using his weapons, wow. you know? And so I think that that's the same thing is that everybody can be Christians. We can all wear the same uniform as Christians, but if we don't learn how to use our weapons, then we could be put in serious danger. And the criminals, in this case, the demons, they can pick out who knows how to use their weapons and who don't. So what that police officer was saying is just like whenever it comes to um, policemen, police officers, when it comes to spiritual things, if you don't know how to fight the spiritual realm, then get around people who know how to fight, who know how to use their weapons. And one of those weapons is prayer. It's this aggressive type of intimidating prayer that I don't think we talk a lot about. It's something that I've just started using in extreme circumstances and other circumstances where I specifically pray with the intention of warfare. Because I think prayer is a tool and it's something, especially if you do this in community, but the idea is just, you know, a lot of times we pray and we just are like, oh, okay, God, da, 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 da. And it's this very rehearsed, sing-along little tone type of thing. But I think that there are some times when we need to pray and we need to take up war and we need to go, God, I am submitting to you. And I pray that all of the demons would just leave me alone. I pray that you would come in, that you would minister to me. I pray that your angels would come in and that they would minister to me. I pray that you would help me with your power and remind yourself of the power that you have within you, which is the presence of God. Absolutely. And just to support exactly what you're saying, I went back to Ephesians 6, 
which talks about first that we, we mentioned it talks about our, our warfare is spiritual you were born in a time of war there, there's no generation born in the history of man that wasn't born in a time of war so there's a war raging and then he goes over the uh, the uh, armor of God and and as a Christian what kind of armor do you have available in the sword of the spirit we talked about but it's interesting that after he gets done with the uh, he talks about the flaming arrows of the evil one yeah. right he says hold up take up the shield of faith with it you're able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one uh, and, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit which is the word of God now here's here's what I want you to hear listen for the word prayer or pray ready it's gonna he's gonna repeat with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on alert praying with all perseverance and petition for the saints and pray on my behalf the utterance may be given to me to the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness mm -hmm. the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador and change so remember pray 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 with boldness, I can share the gospel. Yeah. yeah at the, that's at good. the heart of spiritual warfare, it's always about how do we get the gospel right. into the heart of an unbeliever mm -hmm. and into the heart of a believer, right. which is everybody. How do we continue to make a big deal about the death, burial, and resurrection of 100% God to 100% man? Faith in that alone gets you a relationship with him. Yeah. So in this prayer, I want to I want to keep continue this dialogue. Uh, if you were to hear me pray at church, it would be very formal and very congregational. So it might sound a little something like, "Father, we come into your presence. We thank you that you are holy and good and right." And I'm not mocking. I'm just saying that's that fits the circumstance of that moment. If you were to come into my house, and I and there are times when I walk into my house and I can just. I, and I'm not saying, okay, first of all, let's get out of the ooky spooky yeah. kind of. Uh, there is a time when you're waking up to the spiritual world and you're realizing there's this, wow, there could be demons out in that field. There could be demons sitting in that chair. I could open that refrigerator and a demon could be waiting. Like right. the, the, that, and, and you're like, it's real. There are, you know, yes, there are demons. And yes, the weakest demon on on the, ch in the weakest link in the, in the chain mm -hmm. is still a tougher demon than the strongest Christian. So think of the strongest Christian you know. I've got like three or four, for me, kind of hero Christians that I look up to. Yeah. And if I were to pit, like like fantasy football, if I were to pit my, my big Christians against the weakest demons, the weakest demons plow their field. Mm -hmm. But, but, because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, the strongest demon. Satan himself is no match for me no. in Christ. No. In Christ, yeah. I don't go out on my own. I don't go subcontracting myself out, right? I, I am not an independent contractor. I do what God wants, when God wants, how God wants. So I come under his authority. So some people will say, resist the devil and he'll flee. Yeah, but the first phrase was submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. So if you come into my house and, I, and, and if you were with me and I were to walk in and I were just to sense that something's off immediately out loud because I don't I don't want it to be up here anymore. I want it to be yes. out loud. Yeah. And I'm sorry that all that I could afford is uh, a, a, a renovated crack house in a crystal meth kind of community. And we had bugs, big bugs, roaches. And you'd turn the bathroom light on and you would wait and then you would look and they wouldn't be there because yeah. the roaches flee from the light. 
And, and that's really what I find is most practical with demonic activity is we get the lights turned on quickly and we're not embarrassed that we turn on the lights. So I walked in. The first time I walked into my house, it felt awkward. And I just said, Lord, I'm praying to you out loud. And I prayed to him like he was deaf, even though I knew he could hear me. Yeah. And I just, it, it, but it, 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 it bolstered my own courage mm -hmm. to walk in and go, Lord, I'm coming in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, covered in the blood of the lamb. I yeah. stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. And by your grace, I ask that you will come into this space and press out every spiritual force that's in here. Yes. Rescue me from my flesh. Rescue me from uh, the weird ways in which the world gets into my head and I don't even realize it. And rescue me, yes, from every spiritual being. I pray not only that, that Satan and all of his pals be moved, be removed from my house, but from, from the cul-de-sac, yes. from the neighborhood, from the school next door, because I believe geographically this piece of property and the surrounding property should benefit from the fact that a redeemed son of yours lives here. Would you build me up in truth? The Holy Spirit of truth will lead me in truth. I'm asking you to expose those areas of my heart where I want to believe a lie. Protect my daughter. Protect my other daughter. Protect my wife. Keep their minds safe and their hearts protected and their eyes focused on your son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 says, as he's summing up the book, whoever the author is, says, let us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, run the race that's been set before us, taking off every sin and everything that hinders us from running and keeping our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us run with endurance. Run, run, run. Father, help me run. And those are some of the... Now, th this is our personality. Claudia and I are very similar. Uh, we love each other very closely because we're so similar, and we frustrate each other yeah. very similarly because the stuff in her uh, that irritates me is the stuff I have too. So, it, But in all of that, if you're more like I've got several friends who come to me and they say, look, I'm an engineer by, by personality. I'm a... I'm like a lawyer. I'm, a, I'm an accountant by personality. Uh, me worshiping and praising doesn't look like your emotional expression when you worship and praise. And I'm going, so stick with your personality. If you're an accountant, pray a ledger. Yeah. Lord, I'm bringing to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the ledger has been satisfied. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to say it like in a way that's fraudulent to yourself. Because Matthew 6 says, God has standards for prayer and his standards are these. Sincere, sincere, sincere. He doesn't want you to be fake or fraudulent. Well, and so, so yes, and prayer is an amazing thing, especially whenever it comes to be genuine before God, because I think that that's something that he's going to really use to soften your heart and pray in your personality. Um, but apart from prayer, another way practically is just through community, because community. I've also I was found hoping you were going to say that, that that is one way that we can build our own army, kind of, mm -hmm. um, because whenever we... Have I? Yep. Okay, we're good. This couch kind of, it. well, for me anyway, it's very much like this. <laughs> Your mic is going to change positions magically. So being in community is a big thing because I think it was Maria Goff, um, Bob Goff's wife, she said once, hmm. sometimes God speaks to you through a friend and i think that it is really key to get out of your mind mm. and get out to speak it 
to like my dad said is whenever you go in you feel like something's off and you feel weird and you feel stupid again because the enemy wants you to think it's stupid for you to think that no no no, you're not stupid anymore i'm gonna go talk to a friend who i'm trusting who is trusted who's going through similar things as me and i'm gonna say i don't know why a a christian friend somebody who understands not just you know whatever friend because they're probably really not gonna understand or a mentor and you can say listen i am struggling I feel like that there's this spiritual warfare going on. I don't know what I need to do. Literally ask them to pray with you, pray for you. But if you ask them, pray over me right now, now we're blending the two worlds and that's beautiful. Whenever you ask them, okay, I need you to hold me accountable with this temptation I'm struggling with. I need you to hold me accountable because I am believing these lies that the enemy is saying about my identity. And I need you to speak over me because I'll tell you right now, the enemy's going to try to make you think that you're worthless. He's going to try to say, yeah, you're too fill in the blank. Your personality is too. You need to do less of this. Nobody will ever like you. God won't be able to use you're you. Dumb. And you have no, yeah, you're, 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 you're never going to, you're never going to get good. through this. Yeah. Like, do you really you think fail. that somebody cares enough for you mm-hmm. to tell them? No, they do care enough, and you need to tell them. And he's also going to try to say, oh, nobody's noticed yet. They just don't care about you. No, we're all imperfect humans, and we're all really focused on ourselves. So go to somebody who you trust, who is another Christian, a mentor. Tell them about the struggle that's going on. Ask them if they'll be your running partner through this, because that is how we also fight, is whenever we speak truth over ourselves. You need somebody who's going to call you out on your sin and your temptation, and you need somebody who's going to encourage you, speak truth over you, say, no, 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 you're not worth anything because of yourself. You're worth something because Christ is in you, because you're made in the image of God, and you do have power there. So we've talked about discipleship. Be around somebody else who knows the same tools as you, um, community, prayer, and like we said before, the word of God. Mm-hmm. So those are just a few ways, mm-hmm. some practical ways, intimidating prayers that you can use. And I encourage you, send this podcast to one of your good friends. Maybe y'all work on it together. Work, Get used to this. Get comfortable mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah, we've, we've only scratched the surface, but you, as you alluded to, we all need a Paul, mm-hmm. who's that person that will call us out. We need a Barnabas, that person who will lift us up. And we need a Timothy, yeah. somebody we can pour into. Right. It's a, it's amazing to me. I, I worked with a guy once uh, who just really struggled with the idea of when, I, when he wanted to pick up a drink of alcohol, and he was an alcoholic, uh, it was very difficult for him to pick up the phone and call. Mm-hmm. He just felt too embarrassed. So what we found out was when he would send a text to his accountability team, I don't understand why technology only gets a, a, an upper hand in temptation and sin. Let's use let's use technology for righteousness as well. Mm-hmm. So he would send his uh, his Paul and his Barnabas a group group chat, and he and he, the text would read like this: "Don't call me. I can't talk about it right now. But ask me the next time you see me how I did Tuesday night at eight p.m. Mm-hmm. and and." I believe in accountability, the person who needs the help in, in this story, the alcoholic, would be the one, it's his responsibility then to the next morning to give them a call or send them a text that says, hey, good news, this happened. Or pray for me, I ended up not doing well, I took a drink and this is where I am. But being totally transparent with some people and shining that light in the corner, he said more times than not, just, just sending the text. Uh, exposed the temptation it was no longer in private it was no longer a secret it was made public yeah and and 
Satan works in darkness That's and right. secrecy. So never forget that. Um, with that, I think we covered a lot of it. Mm -hmm. This this battle is not against flesh and blood. So if you ever feel a little out of place, if you ever feel like, why does it always, not just victim mindset, but why does it always feel like that it's so hard for me to do things? I believe that Satan is putting attack on our generation. And I've talked with several of my friends and they're all like, yes, I don't know how all of us are going through this intense attack right now. And I think it's because he wants to stop us from getting any sort of traction. So the best way to do that is to, to come up with your community, mm -hmm. to battle in the spiritual places because you don't have the lower hand. Mm -hmm. You have the upper hand because you have tools. So thank you so much for being mm -hmm. on the podcast. I think that this was just an incredible conversation that we got to have, um, and I hope you guys really enjoyed it. If you haven't already, um, follow the No Haters Club podcast on YouTube, on Spotify, on Instagram. It'll all be in the show notes. I hope you have an amazing Tuesday. If you listen to it, we've added it on MySpace. <laughs> they don't even know what that is, probably. <laughs> Screen screenshot if you listen to it. Tag us in your stories, and we will try to repost. I love you guys so much. Have an amazing Tuesday. So catch me if I fall.